Welcome to the Not All Better Show. I'm your host, Paul Vogelzang, and this is episode number 323. Today's show is brought to you by Blinkist. As part of our Smithsonian Associates Art of Living series, our guest today is Richard Bell. Dr. Richard Bell, a previous guest on the show and a fan favorite, is a distinguished professor of history at the University of Maryland. Today on the Not Old Better Show, we'll be talking with Dr. Richard Bell, who will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates program titled Benedict Arnold, The Blackest Treason, Betrayal and Loyalty in the American Revolution. The most famous turncoat in American history, Benedict Arnold, was a skilled officer in George Washington's army who led Patriot forces to several important victories over the British, including the capture of Fort Ticonderoga. But while in command at West Point in 1780, Arnold began secretly communicating with British intelligence agents, giving them inside information, not just about the fort and its defenses, but about American strategy for the war. What on earth was his motive? Dr. Richard Bell, Associate Professor of History at the University of Maryland, reconstructs the life and times of Benedict Arnold the reasons for this treason, and the larger problems of betrayal and desertion that dogged the Continental Army throughout the war. Remember, Dr. Richard Bell will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates February 27th, 6.45 p.m. at the Ripley Center. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Richard Bell via internet phone to the Not Old Better Show. Dr. Richard Bell, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, Paul. It is always so great to talk to you. We've got a really great subject to talk about today, Benedict Arnold. I will point out right at the outset that this program is sold out, but that the Smithsonian Associates will accept a uh, waiting list. So look at our website before uh, doing anything else, and you'll find a link directly to the uh, waiting list and a phone number to use. But Dr. Richard Bell, we're excited to talk to you about this wonderful program coming up about Benedict Arnold. Why don't you tell us briefly about uh, what you're going to be talking about, the presentation at Smithsonian Associates. Yes, so anytime you're talking about Benedict Arnold, um, the elephant in the room is his treason, is the decision he made uh, midway through his military career uh, to make contact with British intelligence and to try to strike a deal for his own personal uh, gain to defect, to switch sides and to bring uh, military assets and military intelligence gathered from the Patriots uh, with him as part of that deal. So the talk I'm giving at the Smithsonian uh, Associates uh, tries to put that decision in a larger personal and military and historical context uh, to look at Benedict Arnold's decision from uh, the perspective of how it affected the war, um, where it came from personally and professionally, and his family and his wife definitely had something uh, to do with that, we should note. Um, Also to consider his often overlooked accomplishments as a patriot military commander in the first five years of the war. We know about Benedict Arnold, of course, and um, we know of his service to General Washington. Um, There were others, officers and soldiers, that changed sides during the war. But Arnold did something that was probably worse than maybe some of the others, uh, famously. So tell us about what that was. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Arnold's treason 
um, hinged on a couple of things. First of all, his uh, seniority. He was not some low-ranked uh, enlisted uh, soldier. Uh, he was, by 1780, a major figure uh, in the uh, military hierarchy of the Continental Army. He was a person who counted George Washington uh, not just as a commander and a boss, but as a friend. And several other people in his uh, circle were people of considerable uh, prominence. Uh, and so he brought with him uh, to the bargaining table with British intelligence uh, a deep and intimate knowledge of American military strategy. And by American, I mean patriot in this context. What's also true, Paul, is that he was in a position in his career to lobby Washington for specific uh, command posts. And one that he knew the British would be particularly interested in uh, was West Point, the uh, fort on the Hudson River that many of your listeners will be uh, familiar with because it's now the Center for Army Training uh, in the modern era. But it was a critical fort in defense of uh, New York Colony, the New York State, uh, during the American Revolution. And Arnold lobbied hard to put himself in command of that post, uh, believing that he'd be able to turn over that critical command post to the British at the moment uh, when he switched uh, sides. As some of your listeners may know, his plan went a bit awry when news of his treachery was uh, accidentally discovered by two um, Patriot guards who took into custody um, a stranger out on a road one night, and uh, they discovered that the stranger out on the road um, was Arnold's contact in British military intelligence. And uh, this stranger, whose real name was Major John Andre, had papers on his person incriminating Arnold, which then came into the Patriots' possession. Um, uh, George Washington was informed within a couple of days, and Arnold had to really flee, for, run for his life uh, to escape um, uh, Patriot uh, soldiers catching up with him before he even made it to the safety uh, of a British ship. And by then, the plan to hand over uh, West Point had been forgotten in the chaos. Well, Dr. Bell, you mentioned uh, Benedict Arnold's wife. Um, there were love letters even written to uh, another woman, Peggy Ship Shippen, I believe is her name. And so I wonder, was there grief on Arnold's part for his uh, deceased wife? And then, then there was a, a new woman, Peggy Shippen, who emerged in the, in the picture. Was it, was it money? Was his loyalty for sale? Was it ego? What was it that drove Benedict Arnold in this defection? It's a great question, Paul, and it's a question that's puzzled historians for uh, as long as there have been professional historians, which is to say more than a century. It puzzled people at the time, too. Uh, the motivations uh, that fueled Arnold, I think, are overlapping uh, and complicated. Uh, some of them have to do with professional disgruntlement being passed over for promotion at a couple of points. Uh, in his career. Uh, he had some enemies in the Patriot military uh, hierarchy that he was eager to see have their um, comeuppance. Uh, he was someone who often lived uh, lavishly, who spent a lot of money, sometimes beyond his means. Uh, and that was beginning to catch up with him as well. And his great hope was that defection to the British would bring with it a large cash settlement that he could use to pay his bills. But it's also true that there was a 
familial dimension. His first wife, uh, Margaret, uh, had passed away in 1775, and Arnold had recently remarried a much younger woman um, whose name was Peggy, Peggy Shippen, as you mentioned. And, and Peggy ran in loyalist circles uh, in Philadelphia uh, and New York, and there's extensive debate as to whether it was Peggy herself who first sowed the seed uh, put the idea in Benedict's head uh, to defect to the British, or whether she was just a useful and timely conduit to her network of loyalist uh, friends uh, who were able to uh, um, connect Benedict to British military intelligence uh, at this particular time late in the war in 1780. Hi, this is Paul. We'll be right back with our guest, Dr. Richard Bell. I love talking about history. I love reading about history, and I love learning about history, too. For all of us in the Not Old Better Show audience, we're busy, but there's always the need for growth that comes from learning and reading. This priority to learn can be greatly enhanced and even expedited with a new app I highly recommend called Blinkist. I'll give you the website address in just a moment, and importantly, this is not speed reading, but Blinkist offers the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down in just a 15-minute read that you can either read or listen to. But most of all, you're going to learn. You learn what you want and you'll want to know more. Blinkist is made by busy people like our Not Old Better Show audience and 8 million people are using Blinkist, all of whom want to get the main points of the books quickly and then decide about reading more. With an audio feature, Blinkist makes it so easy to finish four books a day doing stuff you normally do with the companionship of Blinkist. So far, the popular books I've read, which I highly recommend, The Memory Palace, The Science of Why, A New Earth, and The Business of Life book. I hope you'll give the app a try. The free seven-day trial is a great way to find out if you like the app and whether you want to pay for such a service because that's exactly what I did. I like Blinkist because I used the app for free for a while and then I decided to move on with a paid subscription because that's how much I fell in love with it. And I hope you'll do the same. I think it's a great way to consume more knowledge in less time, which we are all interested in doing. Enjoy Blinkist and keep reading, learning, and getting better. The Not Old Better Show. And right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our Not Old Better Show audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash N-O-B-S to start your free seven-day trial. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash N-O-B-S to start your free trial. We'll put all of this in the show notes. But again, Blinkist.com slash N-O-B-S. Thanks, everybody. And now back to Dr. Richard Bell. You know, I'm, I'm curious, uh, Dr. Richard Bell, about defections uh, in in the other direction. Were there similar British defections to uh, the revolutionary side? It's a great question again, Paul, but it depends how you, uh, when, when you draw the line. By which I mean, we see lots of people who built their careers in the British military before the war broke out in 1775, who, when the American Revolution begins, uh, take the patriot uh, side. There are some obvious examples here, Horatio Gates, um, Charles Lee, I think Richard Montgomery uh, as well. Um, You could argue certainly George Washington. Uh, who began his career in the colonial militia, uh, working on behalf of His Majesty's uh, empire, of course, changed size definitively and decisively uh, to serve the Patriot cause. In the war itself, high-level defections from either the Patriots to the British 
or from the British to the Patriots were actually surprisingly uh, rare. We could speculate as to the reasons for that if we had more time. Arnold is certainly um, the highest profile defector in either direction during the war uh, itself. But it's also worth saying um, that people further down uh, the socioeconomic um, uh, ranks change sides in much greater numbers. Um, we see this most prominently if we think about enslaved uh, people who were the property of patriot masters. The British army worked extremely hard um, to persuade the enslaved people belonging to patriot masters to abandon their patriot masters and come fight uh, for the British. They did this notably in Virginia with Dunmore's proclamation in November 1775, and in the course of the war, succeeded in persuading tens of thousands, maybe as many as 30,000 uh, enslaved um, black Americans to join the, um, the British uh, lines and support the British uh, war effort. And another way to look at this problem, Paul, and this is the final thing I'll say in response to your question here, is that um, while defections, certainly at the high level, were rare, desertions were very common, uh, not just on the British side when there were plenty of desertions, uh, but most notably on the Patriot side. Uh, early in the war, when the Patriot army was still very undisciplined, poorly outfitted, poorly supplied, uh, there were waves and waves of desertions by ordinary soldiers who, um, for lack of better words to say this, couldn't put up with it anymore, couldn't put up with such poor conditions, uh, the promise of pay that never materialized, and the nagging concern that the patriots were going to lose. Now, that's, of course, not how history turns out. Uh, but no one can see into the future in 1776, in 1777, 1778, some of the worst years of the war. Dr. Richard Bell, uh, we wish we had more time with you, but we're going to get some of that time back on February 27th, coming coming up really very soon, uh, when you're going to be speaking on Benedict Arnold, The Blackest Treason, Betrayal and Loyalty in the American Revolution. Dr. Richard Bell, it's it's always great to talk to you. I will remind our audience that this program is sold out, but check with the website for a phone number to call to get on that waiting list at Smithsonian. Um, but Dr. Bell, we'll look forward to seeing you on the 27th at uh, 645 at the Ripley Center. But thank you so much for your time today and uh, have a great holiday. We're talking on President's Day, so this is a good, <laughs> a good day for us to connect. Thanks, Paul. Happy President's Day. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Bell. Thanks to Dr. Richard Bell for joining me today. And thanks to the wonderful folks at Blinkist for sponsoring the show, as well as the Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. The Not Old Better Show. Talk about better. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>